Hello and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, if you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, go ahead and do so right now. Come out with new episodes every single Wednesday morning for you. You're going to want to check them out. I'm going to put a little bit of an asterisk on that, right? (laughs) Uh, Look, my regular listeners, I got to apologize again to you guys. I I missed an episode again last week and it was unplanned. It was unscheduled. um, So I do apologize. However, a little bit crazy, you know, a little bit more of a serious note. Unfortunately, I ended up in the emergency room. Yes, I did. I'm okay now. Nothing COVID related, but I had a bad allergic reaction to a medication and it was a little, little scary stuff. It, you know, it, it was, it was some scary stuff. Luckily I'm okay. I'm grateful, thankful. I'm, I'm healthy now all is well. And we're getting back into the podcast, but you know, normally I come out with new episodes every single week. I know between my, you know, we, we lost my oldest dog recently, as some of you might've heard when with Thanksgiving and then, uh, this, <laughs> this whole thing the past week and, and we've been doing, getting some work done on the house. I mean, it's just been a little chaotic. <laughs> kind of spread myself a little too thin. Um, so, you know, again, I have to apologize. I've been a little MIA, been a little absent on the podcast on on Instagram. So we're going to get back going with that soon. <laughs> Sometimes life gets in the way, but you can find me on Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. Be sure you go check it out. Of course, click that follow button, right? Uh, so, hey, let's talk about the podcast today. First a segment we're going to have, well, first thing I have to do is actually wish everyone a very happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you all, definitely Merry Christmas coming up in a couple days here. And that's where we're going to start, the, that's where we got to start the show. Happy holidays with your dog. Yes, a segment all about pets and the holidays. A lot of things mesh very well with pets and, and, and Christmas. Something's not so much. So we just got to have some good reminders. It's a good refresher for everybody. Then we're going to have a segment called Building Confidence with Your Dog. Yeah. Do you have a, do you have a dog maybe that's a little unsure, maybe a little insecure? We'll talk more in depth about that and how we can get that confidence up, up, up. Yes. Then we're going to have the Breed of the Week followed by the Listener Q&A. If you guys have any questions for that Listener Q&A, dog-related, training-related, animal-related, send it on over my way. Questions at speakadogcast.com. Dot com. But before we get going with today's show, got to give you that trivia question. Of course, it has to be Christmas related. The trivia question today is, what is the name of the Grinch's dog in The Grinch Stole Christmas? Yes, what is the name of the Grinch's dog? I'll give you the answer to that somewhere in the podcast. So be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak Dogcast, happy holidays with your dog. And this segment is definitely a great reminder for everybody. You know, the holidays are a fun time. There's a lot going on, but that's just it. There's a lot going on. So we got to make sure that we are safe with our pets. There's a lot of different hazards really associated with the holidays, quite frankly. And, you know, there's definitely an uptick, as I talked about in the Thanksgiving episode, Definitely an uptick of vet visits during the holidays. So a lot of these things really are avoidable, though. They are, guys. Um, It's really about setting your pet up for success and setting yourselves up for success with your pet. So again, when it comes to the holidays, there are a lot of things going on. And I think the first place that we want to start and talk about are Christmas trees, (laughs) right? The decorations, everything that goes with it. It's really beautiful. It's a lot of fun. But it can actually be a huge hazard to your pets. Now, of course, we almost... You know, everybody thinks of dogs being a pain, but I think 
cats <laughs> are probably more associated with Christmas trees and problems. Now, it's not just the cats, as we know. Dogs can be, too, whether it's just tails wagging and knocking ornaments off a tree or something like that. But that's just it. Th those ornaments can pose a danger, right? They break. If you have an inquisitive or, or a very mouthy dog, they might get one of those shards and eat them. And then it's a problem, right? Now, I could always do the wag of the finger and say, hey, we should be training our dogs to leave it. We should be training them to drop it. And if your dogs know those commands very well and you've practiced them enough before Christmas, then it shouldn't be a problem to when that ornament does fall. You can say, hey, leave it. Your dog will leave it alone. And it's not a problem. Okay. Um, but yeah, those, those ornaments are the first place you kind of have to start thinking. Now, when we're also talking about Christmas trees, there is one decoration that I put on the absolutely no list. You know, look, it's one thing if you have a really tr well-trained dog and you know your dog very well, you've had them for years and you know they're not going to get into anything, but it's it's better to err on the side of caution. And the one decoration I'm talking about that I know all the veterinarians out there will agree with me on, tinsel. Ooh, tinsel's bad stuff for dogs, guys. You know, I think it looks like a rope toy to them <laughs> and it's shiny and it gets their attention. But the problem is when they eat that, oh man, it can ball up in their stomach. It can create intestinal blockages and even death. Serious stuff. And I mean, once that stuff, once that starts getting in there and in their stomach, really, you know, they're not going to vomit that up because of the stringiness there's a very good likelihood it, 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 that uh, that it'll stay down there. You know, it's going to stay in their stomach and make their way through their intestines. So again, it's one of those things where I just go, you know what, maybe just avoid the tinsel. There's so many other great decorations out there for trees and wonderful looking lights and everything now that maybe if you have a dog or a puppy, let's skip the tinsel this year. Okay, So just something to really consider. Now, another thing that, you know, it's it's pretty obvious. Everybody knows, guys, let's tether those trees. Like, let's just, just tether them up. Piece of fishing line, a nice uh, eye hook. You know, it's like a round hook that you can either screw in. The best place to do it, screw it into a baseboard. Okay, yeah, you can screw it into the wall, but if it doesn't hit a stud, you know, the second any animal bumps into that tree, it's going to fall over. So I highly recommend if you're, you know, if you have a nice area where you can put your tree near a doorway, you're going to want to take that screw, screw it into the actual baseboard, then hook a piece of fishing line around the tree. Uh, some people, you know, you can also hang fishing line from the ceiling, same concept, and hang it from the top. But either way, you're going to want to secure that tree. It's really important. Look, even with little kids, things happen, you know, got to be careful. And it's better to secure that tree and be safe. And of course, protect all your wonderful ornaments too. Uh, so make sure you're tying those trees down, guys. Really, really important. Now, another thing that I don't think enough people consider, what about the water? What about the water you give your tree? You know, if you have a live tree and you're watering it, and I know, look, eh, David, maybe a long shot. And look, maybe it is, but I, I, there's too many things I've read and too many things I've heard where the trees are sometimes given additives or pesticides or whatever they're sprayed down with. And if any of that leaches into the water as the trees, you know, drinking the water, if you will, and your dog goes to drink that water, that could be a problem, right? Um, other things that are added to trees, you know, some people actually add aspirin to the water to think that, you know, it helps the tree grow, or sometimes there's even additives with aspirin in it that have already been. So those kind of things can be really detrimental to your dog's health. So I know it's something you may not have thought about, uh, but be really careful. Be really careful when we have the water available for our tree that our dogs can't get in there. Look, guys, at the end of the day, you know, even before we go further with this, at the end of the day, sometimes with dogs, if they're not trained well enough, or they're a puppy, they're young, they don't know any better, sometimes the best option for training 
is really management, is, is behavioral management. And what I mean by that is, let's put up a baby gate around the Christmas tree this year because we have a puppy. Uh, let's put a fence up. Let's, let's set them up for success that we're not allowing them to even access the tree. Sometimes really that's the best way to train is to just control and manage behavior and manage your puppy versus leaving that tree out there and hoping they're going to leave it alone, right? Again, if it's a new puppy, they don't know any better. So kind of consider that, that maybe a baby gate should be the best option to keep that tree out of reach because that's the best way to manage it. Now, I, I will also note going back to that water thing, the National Christmas Tree Association, yes, there is such a thing. <laughs> Look, I, maybe more of you out there know it. I was actually, I was raised Jewish. We did Hanukkah. And I didn't know there was a National Christmas Tree Association. So the NCTA <laughs> says that the actually the best way to keep your Christmas tree hydrated is plain, fresh water. They say that adding aspirin, soda, bleach, corn syrup, sugar, or preservatives, and it's funny, I mean, these are all these are all things clearly people try, um, or adding any of these things are actually unnecessary and can be detrimental. They actually decrease the amount of moisture retention in in increase needle loss. So right there from the horse's mouth, <laughs> the National Christmas Tree Association says you should only be using plain water anyway. So I really recommend staying away from additives, but in any case, just, you know, you never know what that tree comes with or what's on it. I would just really be cautious in keeping your pets away from that water. Okay. Uh, so keep that in mind. Now, again, if you're working on that, leave it and that drop it command and you've worked and worked and worked and they know it really well, then it's a lot easier. You know, for my own dogs, um, we, we've actually been able to uh, leave a Christmas tree up and my wife, you know, my wife celebrates Christmas, we celebrate Christmas together and um, we leave the tree up and my dogs leave it alone because I've taught them a leave it command and I taught them to to not go after the tree. And we're going to talk a little more about that uh, in depth in a few minutes here. Okay, so it is possible to have a Christmas tree and have your dogs and not have to have a fence or something like that around it, but it takes a little bit of work, okay? Now, let's also talk about the flowers and festive holiday plants that come along, and especially are associated with Christmas. Look, they can be dangerous. Mistletoe, pine, balsam, holly, cedar. Uh, these are all common holiday plants, and they can all be problematic, okay? Poinsettias, we all have heard that, can be toxic for pets. So, and poinsettias, of course, a wonderful, beautiful, beautiful plant, but they can be harmful to our animals. So please make sure if we have these around, we're not just setting the plants on the ground and giving our pets access to them. Make sure they're elevated. If you wanna have these things in your house with pets, please be careful. Please, please, please be careful and cautious, okay? Um, again, you know, from the very beginning, like I said at the beginning of the segment, most of these holiday issues with our pets are preventable. They really are. And look, accidents do happen, of course, but if you put a little more thought and just be a little more cautious around the holidays with these certain, you know, with, the, with our decorations, with these different uh, plants, then it really goes a lot better for everybody, right? Now, how about candles? We always have those, right? We got sugar cookie candles and of course the pine tree smelling candles, the Christmas tree smelling candles. I mean, there's a lot of different <laughs> candles that are even associated with the holiday and candles and pets, guys, they just don't mix. They just don't, uh, especially if we have a cat who likes to knock things over. <laughs> danger, danger. Um, so look, wagging tails even, a wagging tail. What if, what if their tail sweeps across the flame and their tail catches on fire? What if they don't even knock it over? But they... I mean, I know, crazy things, but you know something? Crazy things happen, and they tend to happen around the least, uh, the time you least want them to. Holidays, things like that, when you have people over. Uh, so I really, I implore you, stay away from the candles if you can. 
I'm not a big fan of candles to begin with. Uh, look, I, I, I'm, I don't really like artificial smells as much as I, I, I don't tolerate them, I guess, as well as I used to. I'm just not a big fan of them. My wife really got into essential oils. You know, she loves the smell of them and diffusing them. And I, I, I have to say, I love them. I think they smell great. Now, I don't want to get into the essential oil and diffuser debate today. You will read things that go, oh, you should never have your dog around cedar in your essential oil diffuser. And da, 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 da. Look, guys, when you're using an oil diffuser, what's that word? That word is diffuser. It diffuses <laughs> the oil. You're cutting a couple drops of this oil with water and diffusing it into the air you're really not giving them it in a concentrated version. I'm talking about direct exposure, dogs eating mistletoe, eating eating these things. That's going to have more of an effect. So look, I, by no means am I a veterinarian, and I do not ever recommend taking my advice. Go always talk to your veterinarian when it comes to that kind of stuff, the biological stuff. But at the same time, guys, we use diffusers every day in my home, and we never have had any issues. And it smells better, there's nothing artificial about it, and that's, quite frankly, that's why I like it. Like, if I have, if I have to have something in my house smelling wonderful, I would rather have something natural than artificial. So I'm just giving my little two cents on, I'm a big advocate for the essential oils as far as, you know, I, I, let's not talk about how effective they are in placebo effect. I'm not talking about that. Let's go from a pure scent standpoint. I love them. I think it's wonderful. You can make your house smell like a spa. You can make your house smell like Christmas. And there's no wax. There's no burning. There's no danger of flame. And of course, no artificial anything. So not that I want to go off on this too much, which I kind of did for a minute or two here, but I say avoid candles. I don't even look at okay, plugins. Plugins are better, right? The Glade plugins and the scent plugins. Teach his own. I can't stand the smell of those. They're, they're so strong. It almost smells like a perfume to me. It's just too much. Uh, so again, I prefer to stick to the natural stuff, but hey, if you're going to do a plug-in versus a candle, please use the plug-ins at holiday time, especially over candles. They can, candles and, and pets just, just doesn't mix, guys. Okay. Now, food. Of course, it's we got to talk about the food. We always have to talk about food and holidays. I mean, look, again, I'm Jewish. <laughs> holidays, food, holidays revolve around the food. You know what I mean? The food doesn't revolve around the holiday. It's <laughs> kind of what it is. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm all for it. I love it. Like, I love, I love holidays and all the delicious foods that are associated with it. And, of course, Christmas is no different, right? There's all kinds of amazing stuff. However... All these amazing things that we eat at holiday time are problematic for our dogs, guys. They really are. Um, you know, look, I've, I've, I've said my thoughts on people food, feeding dogs people food. And, I, you know, I've kind of skimmed over it the past. Uh, like, we, we, did, we did a segment on it. And every now and then when we talk about it, I go, ah, we talked about that. You can go back and listen. But you know what? It's, I'll give you a refresher. I'm not a big fan of feeding dogs people food in general. I'm really not. Teach his own. It's your dog. It's your rules. If you want to do that, you know, I, I, I don't, I think, I think people look, the reality is I think people feed dogs, people food to make themselves happy because they think they making, they're making their dogs happy. And quite frankly, guys, your dog doesn't know food from food. It's, it's your dog should want any food given to it because that's natural and that's instinctual. And that's what a dog should do. They should pretty much eat anytime foods presented to them, no matter what it is pretty much most of the time. So 
if you want to give your dogs people food, I personally don't agree with it. If you're going to do things like a piece of banana, some blueberries, fruit, things that are healthy, natural, and okay for them, hey, by all means. But we're talking about the holidays. Let's be real, guys. The holidays are full of fatty, sugary, bad, bad foods for us. So what effect do you think those foods are going to have on your dog? You know, I've heard clients go, oh, David, my dog has, you know, really loose stools and it's been diarrhea sometimes lately. And I just don't know. I'm only feeding him his dog food. And I go, okay, well, you're not giving him any treats. Well, you know, I give him some treats and I'll give him some chicken or leftovers. And last night we had some steak and I gave him a piece of that. And guys, there's the problem right there. That's why your dog has indigestion. Because they shouldn't be eating those things. There's a reason dog food is dog food and people food is people food. There's a reason we have specifically designed formulas in their food. So again, <laughs> let's not jump on the soapbox on this. But I, I, you know, again, holiday food is bad enough for us. Imagine what it does to your dog's insides, okay? So particular foods, of course, that we want to avoid, grapes, raisins, you know, all the stuff we know that can be toxic for dogs. Um, sweets. When we talk about sweets, we always have always have to talk about xylitol. Um, I, I know anytime I bring up food and dogs, I bring up xylitol because that's how important it is, guys. If you're unaware of xylitol, xylitol is an artificial sweetener, and it's finding its way more and more into the sweets that we eat, especially something like peanut butter. Um, and peanut butter not might not be the most associated you know, holiday food, but it's one of the most common that xylitol is used in. So, guys, please. Please be cautious. Please be mindful of where you're leaving your sweets if they're within reach of your dog. If they're store-bought sweets versus home homemade sweets, right? You know what you put in it. There's probably no xylitol in there. So yeah, that'll be less bad for your dog. Still bad for your dog. So xylitol, guys, please be careful. There's a lot of treats being mailed. You know, people mail you care packages for the holidays, things like that. You don't necessarily know every ingredient in those things. So please keep the sweets out of reach for your dogs because xylitol, it can be deadly. Serious stuff, not, not joking around here. It's spelled X-Y-L-I-T-O-L. Please look it up, please do your research, please be aware as a pet owner. Bad stuff right there, okay? Um, now, keeping going on the food here, bones, right? We sometimes have ham or turkeys on the holidays. Let's make sure we're not giving our dogs bones, guys. I know people think give a dog bone, but no, bones can splinter. Bones can do all kinds of bad damage uh, in the esophagus or actually in the stomach, tear stomach lining. And again, it can be fatal. If the wrong circumstances go on there, it can be really bad stuff. So please don't feed your dog bones. Please make sure you tell kids. If you guys have kids, grandkids visiting, your friend's kids are coming over for the holidays, it's not a bad idea to take two minutes and go, hey guys, you know, we've got dogs. Let's go over some dog safety. Make sure we're not feeding them bones. Make sure, you know, we're not feeding them alcohol. Oh, no, wait, the kids don't do that. Uh, <laughs> no, but really, um, it's not a bad idea to give kids a refresher course on what we should and shouldn't be feeding our dogs, okay? Now, of course, alcohol, yes. We don't want to feed alcohol to our dogs. I don't, I, it, look, I, it kills me. I have to even say that it, re it really does. It should be pretty darn obvious guys. Don't feed your dogs alcohol. As I always say, everybody has an uncle Bob. There's always an uncle Bob out there who thinks it's great to feed fluffy alcohol and bones and chocolate and things they shouldn't have. Uncle Bob, I'm always looking at you at holiday time. Cut it out, man. That's enough. All right. <laughs> okay. So another thing we want to think about that maybe you hadn't thought about how about keeping our dog tags and microchips up to date? 
making sure collars and, and leashes are not frayed, making sure these things are intact because you know what? We're going to have a lot of in and out. There's going to be a lot of people coming and going at your house during holiday time, especially if we're throwing a holiday party. So make sure your dog's tags are up to date. Okay. Now, another thing with, with holiday time, of course, you have friends, you have family coming in town. Maybe those friends and family, maybe they don't have pets. Maybe they don't have dogs. And maybe a lot of these things we just talked about, they don't, they don't even know about, right? Because how, how could they? They're not a dog owner. Um, so if you do have guests staying with you, again, I don't want to be like the Debbie Downer lecturer, but if you do have people coming, you need to remind them, hey, guys, you know, while you're here, don't forget, we have rules for our dog. And just if you wouldn't mind, please don't feed them people food. Uncle Bob, don't give them alcohol. Like, you know, it's not a bad idea. There's no harm in asking people, hey, just a reminder, I want to keep my dog safe during the holidays, okay? I think most people can respect that and understand that. So there's nothing wrong with that. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things to keep in mind with the holiday. There's a lot going on, holidays rather. There's a lot going on out there, a lot happening. There's a lot of food coming and going, action, craziness. The other side we haven't talked about is how we actually get our dogs to leave stuff alone. Now, guys, it should be pretty obvious. It really should. If you've listened to the podcast, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, not so obvious. But if you're a regular listener, it's obvious, guys. Exercise your dog. Train your dog. Teach them to leave it. Teach them to drop it. Another thing we want to do is don't make a huge deal about the Christmas tree. I don't know why people go, oh, look, Fluffy, what do you think of the Christmas? Let me talk to you and pump you up and make you all overexcited, make you think this tree is just no None of that. <laughs> None of that. Because all you're doing is associating overexcitement in this new thing. And you're just going to make them want to be curious about it. Why? That's not what we want. No. We want our dogs to leave the tree alone. So don't make it a big deal. When they go to sniff it, go, hey, leave it. And then they walk away. Good boy. No big deal. Okay. The less you make these things a big deal, the less interest your dog will have in it. But as you're putting the tree up, if the dog's really curious and you're going, hey, get out of here, and you're frantic about it, you're just going to make your dog more interested. Okay. Don't make a big deal about these things. Be matter of fact and make sure you're training ahead of time. Look, the way to get your dog to have success with triggers and certain things like this, whether it's a Christmas tree or, or you're working on your dog ignoring other dogs barking, the best way to set yourself up for success in any training situation and scenario is to practice before, before you get to those instances. Practice your leave it, practice your drop it, practice your recall, practice your redirections. If you do all of these things by and practice them ahead of time, I can almost guarantee you won't have problems with the Christmas tree. But people who wait who don't have a drop it, who don't have a leave it, who can't redirect their dog, who can't get their dog to recall and come back to them on command. Yeah, you're probably going to have problems with your Christmas tree and your dog. <laughs> uh, presents, right? Wrapping paper. These things look enticing. A bow on top of a pre it looks enticing to a dog. But again, if I've trained ahead of time, I'm walking my dog regularly, I'm giving them mental stimulation so they feel fulfilled and they're getting exercised, they're less likely to want to get into trouble, <laughs> to want to find trouble, if you will, okay? So if you really want to set your dog up for success with Christmas and, and, and the holidays and making sure they're leaving these things alone, practice before you get there. Practice well before you get there. And of course, guys, if you do have a Christmas party, if you do have family coming over, if you do have Christmas dinner, take your dog for a big walk 
I would say, bigger walk than normal for two or three days leading up to Christmas or leading up to the day you're having people over. You want to get them extra tired and extra fulfilled is really the way I see it, right? <laughs> so, you know, just keep these tips in mind, take all these things into consideration, and you'll be setting your family and your dog up for better success with the holidays. Everybody, please stay safe out there and have a very, very Merry Christmas. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services, such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next on Speak a Dogcast, building confidence with your dog. Now, this is a great segment. It is because confidence is one of those things that you really need your dog to have, right? You want your dog to be to be sure and not be anxious, not be scared. So confidence is an important part of training your dog. And especially if we maybe have a rescue dog, right? Maybe came with some issues, maybe has some anxiety. That confidence building process is going to be vital for success, okay? So how do we go about building confidence in our dog? Well, it's not always the easiest because sometimes building confidence takes a little tough love, takes a little work, takes a little time. Actually, no, it takes a lot of time. <laughs> uh, no, it, it, it does. It takes a lot of time to build good confidence. And I'm, I'm talking solidified, right? And even like when we have a puppy, it takes months, in my opinion, to really build confidence. Well, because you don't want overconfidence. We don't want to build too much confidence. That's a bad thing. But of course, not enough. Also a bad thing. So how do we find that balance with confidence? Okay. Um, look, I, I think confidence, human world, dog world, I think it's a great thing. I think it's great to be confident. I think confidence is is leadership is really the way I see it. Confidence equals leadership. Who out there, I mean, think about it. Who out there wants a leader that's not confident? Nobody. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but if, if somebody's calling the shots, I, they sure better be sure of themselves, right? Because if they're not, that's a problem. That's a problem for the group, the whole, the whoever they're leading. If they're not sure, that means problems. And it's no different in the dog world, okay? So the first way, the first thing we have to do to build confidence in a dog is build confidence in yourself, yeah, I know it sounds a little corny, but <laughs> it's it's the truth. It really is, guys. I can't stress this enough. The only way, the only way to start that process of building confidence with your dog is for you to be confident. Okay? Like I've said it I don't know how many times. If I could only give two pieces of advice for training any type of animal on this planet, any animal, it would be two things. Number 1, pretend like you've done it a thousand times. 
<laughs> own it, right? Own it. Own it. Act like you know what you're doing, even when you don't. <laughs> you would be surprised how often people pick up on that confidence. People in general, right? Just picking up animals too, right? Because we all seek out that confidence. So that's the first thing is own it. And of course, the second thing is know where their focus is and have the ability to guide and direct it. Those are my two pieces of information, two pieces, excuse me, of advice for training any animal, no matter what it is. Guys, if you don't have confidence, you cannot train animals. You can't do it. You just can't. I'm sorry. That's the blunt, harsh truth, reality, whatever you want to call it. If you don't have confidence, you cannot train animals. Period. You know, when I walk into a house where we have a dog, let's say, who is possessive over some people, maybe possessive, usually it's possessive over one person in particular, um, there's a reason. There is a reason. And most of the time, that person that the dog chooses to be possessive over, normally they're not the most confident personality and not the most confident person in the world. And what that dog is seeing is weakness. Yeah, here comes the harsh truth, guys. Your dog sees weakness in you if you are not confident. This is what I, honestly, look, this is what I love about dog training. Because it can teach you so much about yourself when you work with animals, if you know how to listen to them. And if your dog is trying to own you, they're trying to tell you, hey, you need to step it up. Because if you're not going to, you're not going to step it up, I'm going to have to step it up. And that's what ends up happening. And now your dog is actually less confident because a dog really can't, and they know it, they know it, they can't fully control what goes on around them in the human world, right? Because of our human variables, right? You can, you control when your dog gets out of its crate in the morning or when it gets let outside or when it eats or all these different things. But then on top of that, you may have your dog trying to control affection and trying to control people coming and going in that. And that's why they're not very good at it because it's this constant back and forth struggle because there's only so many things that they can control, okay? So that's what happens when a dog goes, ooh, this person is not very confident. They're kind of weak. I better step up to the plate here and take over. And now we have behavioral issues, and now that's why I have a job. Um, <laughs> look, I wish I could just teach everyone out there to just be confident. Be sure of yourself. Own it. Um, look, it's something we all struggle with. I, I definitely, when I first started my business, you know, I've talked about this before. When I first started my business, I was, I was so terrified of failing. I really was was so terrified of failing. I mean, I still, I still arguably still have some, um, uh, fear of failure. I do. And you know, Hey, we, uh, we, Freud would go nuts childhood and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure, you know, it's psychology It all. That's how it works. This is why I didn't want to be a psychologist. Cause I'd psychoanalyze myself and I'd be crazy. Uh, so I chose the, I chose the animal world. It's still crazy, but maybe not quite as much <laughs> or maybe more. I don't know. Uh, anyway, but getting back to it, look, guys, it, it's 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 just it. You have to have confidence in yourself in order for your dog to have confidence in themselves, right? Dogs are a mirror, and they're going to reflect back whatever you give off. So if you're giving off weak energy, they reflect back weak energy by trying to overcompensate, and in doing so, it becomes weak energy because now they're trying to be possessive over somebody, or they start biting people. That's not good energy to me. That's not strong, confident energy to me, right? So that is first and foremost. And I, I look, I, I can't stress it enough. It's the most important part. It's the most important part. You have to be sure of yourself and you have to own it, right? Um, look, I've, I've had, you know, 
I've had clients in the past that really just hesitate with every move they do with their dog. And it's incredible because the dog just picks up on it. It's like, yeah, I'm going to take over now. And it starts pulling and starts trying to get, start, it literally turns its focus off of that person and starts to take over. It's incredible. Not in a good way. Um, <laughs> but again, I, you know, I, I don't want to, you have to have confidence in yourself, guys. I don't care if you need to meditate. I don't care if you need, but look, before you, how about this? This is a great exercise. It really is. Before you walk out the door on a walk with your dog, you need to visually imagine the walk going well. You need to visually see it in your head of you taking control of that walk. You need to take 10 deep breaths before you walk out the door. And look, if you need to repeat to yourself, this walk is going to go well. I am in control. If you need to repeat that a couple times to yourself to reiterate it, by all means, guys, put yourself in a good mind, uh, state of mind to give yourself confidence. That's what it takes. And you have, you do, it's, you literally have to put yourself in a good state of mind, okay? So we've talked about confidence with you enough. <laughs> Let's talk about building it in your dog. How do we do it? How do you build a confident dog? First and foremost, I don't want to reinforce any fearful moments in my dog, Right? Um, and what I mean by this is, of course, we don't want to scare our dogs. And that's not really, that's not what I'm trying to say. It kind of sounds like it. What I'm trying to say is if your dog is unsure, and I don't want to say fearful moment, you know what fearful is not, uh, unsure moments or insecure moments. That's really what I, that's, that's what I'm trying to say here. Um, if your dog is unsure, especially like a puppy, right? Puppies are new to the world. Sometimes they get in a situation, they're not sure. And then maybe how about the most common one, right? They'll go woof and bark at something they're unsure about. Hey, what are you, what are you doing? What is that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on the defense before I can figure out what's happening here. I don't want my puppy to always choose put up a wall anytime it sees something it's unsure of. So I don't want to talk to them, go, oh, hey, cut that out. No, stop. <laughs> no, I need to tell them, hey, quiet. Maybe a little touch correction. Maybe a little collar correction. Believe it or not, that is one way we build confidence in our dog by not letting them be insecure and not reinforcing and strengthening that state of mind. Okay, we've talked about state of mind before. Uh, if you haven't listened to my episode on state of mind, highly recommend, go back, check it out uh, because state of mind is so important for your dog. Okay, it really is. It's very important. So we're not gonna, we're not gonna hone in on that a lot right now. Um, but you have to get your dog in a good state of mind. And you don't want to reinforce a bad state of mind. You don't want to reinforce an anxious state of mind. So in a moment where your dog is either unsure, insecure, or maybe anxious, the worst thing you can do is tell them good boy or good girl. We don't want to reinforce that. That's a moment when we need to give a little tough love. Okay, I'm going to say, hey, quiet. Hey, little touch correction. Hey, little collar. Nothing much, nothing crazy. We're more trying to redirect it. And now if they stop barking or stop reacting, that's when we say, good boy, good girl. Good, give them a treat, okay? That's really the first way that you can start by building confidence is to not let your dog be insecure and make sure you tell them, hey, stop doing that when they are, okay? Really something little, but very important, okay? Now, one of the other great ways that we can build confidence in our dogs is a proper walk. Yes, it always comes back to the walk. It always, always does. And the walk is really one of the best ways to give your dog confidence. Now, if you have a, let's say you have a puppy who's a little underconfident, a little unsure, it's really good to get your dog on a walk with other dogs too. 
If you have other dogs in the neighborhood that you know walk really well or friends or family, go on a walk together. That can really help build your dog's confidence. Look, just in general, being around other dogs can help with that. But the walk, the walk, oh, how much do I talk about the walk, guys? It's so important to your dog's training. And I promise you, doing a proper walk and getting them mentally engaged on that walk, it really helps build confidence. Because what it actually does is it teaches teaches your dog a couple things the walk does, right? It teaches focus. Talked about that. It teaches your dog how to focus. It teaches your dog that you have information to offer, whether it be reward or punishment. And it teaches your dog you're taking over the leadership role. You're getting your dog to surrender that control to you. And in doing so, they're realizing, oh, you're confident. You're sure. You know what you're talking about. I want to follow you. That means safety. That means food. That means success for the pack, right? So that walk, that walk actually gets your dog to relinquish control to you. And in doing so, that's what makes your dog happier. Guys, at the end of the day, dogs want to be told what to do. Yeah. They want structure. They want rules. They want boundaries. They crave it. And the more you can give your dog that in a very happy, healthy, and balanced way, the happier and healthier and more balanced your dog will be. And then your confidence will get built. I can't, you know, the walk is definitely the way to get there and the, one of the building blocks, but really kind of, I think the generalized theme, the generalized theme when it comes to building confidence in your dog is to take over that leadership role for your dog. People try to cater to their dogs left and right, you know, whether it be on the walk by letting them pull or, oh, I thought he just wanted to sniff me and he's, no, what you're doing is you're forfeiting control. You're teaching that dog, letting them be in control works for them. And now we have imbalance. And believe it or not, letting your dog control you actually diminishes their confidence or creates overconfidence. Overconfidence is a lot of times insecurity, right? Think about people. You know, think about people. When you got you got a big guy who's wearing the muscle shirts and he's got his big arms and he gets in his big pickup truck with his, you know, three hitches hanging off the back of the truck and come on. <laughs> Come on, uh, you know, overcompensation, right? Overcom, it's classic psych 101, guys. It's psychology 101. So it's no different. I don't want my dog, people think by giving their dog free-for-alls and not giving them structure and letting them do what they want and letting them sniff, oh, but he needed, maybe he needed this, oh, maybe he wanted that, maybe he's hungry, maybe he's moody, maybe he, guys, we're talking about dogs here. We're not talking about people, okay? I love dogs more than the next person, but they're basic. They're basic creatures. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're incredible. They're intelligent. But that doesn't mean they have the emotional depths and the processing capabilities that you or I have. Okay? So if you want to build confidence in your dog, you have to take over the leadership role in your pack dynamic. That's the truth. Yeah. No other way to say it. Okay? But the walk is the best way to establish that leadership role Get your dog to relinquish control and show them relinquishing control actually works really well for them. It gets them food, it gets them praise, it gets them affection. And you know what? It makes them less anxious because they don't feel like they need to constantly step it up and constantly overcompensate because you're not running the show. Yeah. Okay. So I know it, this is a tough one because it's very truthful and, and I, it may not be what you want to hear. But it is, it is, it's it's the truth, <laughs> okay? You want to build confidence in your dog, build confidence in yourself. Be sure of yourself, you know? 
I like it. This is this is what I love about dogs. I've watched it. I've watched so many times over the years where I've seen someone who's, you know, maybe they're going through something specific in their life and maybe they're lacking some confidence because, you know, they've gone through some tough times or something and in multiple different scenarios, honestly, that are just kind of popping up in my head. Lots of clients in the past that I'm thinking of. And the incredible part is watching their dog help them build confidence. And then in doing so, they help their dog build confidence. And it's really amazing what you can overcome, what you can learn when you work with a dog like that, when you really listen to your dog and tap into how they think, their instinct, and and work with them in that way. Enough of this humanizing, enough of this, oh, my dog, he's my little cuddle buddy. And yeah, I'm sure he is, but there's more to it than that, right? I love my dogs, guys. I snuggle with them. I snuggle up on them. I pet them. I love them. Sometimes, of course, but all in the right context, right? All in the right context. Um, So I'm getting off a little bit on on a tangent there, but really, guys, building confidence in your dog is a matter of building confidence in yourself, being sure of yourself when you work with your dog, not hesitating. Make a decision and roll with it. And then you can go, ah, well, you know what? I could have done that differently. I'll do it different next time. That's what confidence is. It's not going, I'm scared to make a decision. What if he doesn't like it? What if Fluffy's going to hate me because I give him a correction? Fluffy's not going to hate you because you give him a correction. He's going to respect you for it. He's going to love it because it means structure, rules, boundaries, then the affection, then the food, right? So that's how we do it. Now, other little things we can do, other little things. I like to find the specific triggers, the specific things that maybe don't make your dog confident the things that make them maybe a little more fearful and slowly, safely, and cautiously work our way through them. How many times do I hear, oh, we don't go down that road because this dog makes him nervous, so we avoid it. I got news for you. Avoiding it is not going to help. Avoiding it is never working through it. Um, You know, like I I don't want to get off on a tangent on society and people and kids, but I think that's why our society has some confidence issues because we don't force our children to be uncomfortable anymore. I'm very grateful that my parents forced me to be uncomfortable as a kid at times. I am because it taught me to deal with it and overcome it. More importantly than deal with it, overcome it, you know, build, build a tough exterior. And I'm not saying I'm Mr. Tough or anything, but it definitely made me stronger in being able to deal with, I mean, come on guys, life, adulthood, you know, all the things that come with it. Um, and it helped build my confidence. I remember, I mean, I think I was in elementary school the first time I gave a speech in front of people. And I was terrified. But you know what? My dad worked with me. He practiced with me. He taught me how to be confident with it. And I mean, hell, I host a freaking podcast now. And I highly doubt if my dad had babied me through that moment, if he hadn't supported me and pushed me through it, I highly doubt I'd be on this microphone having this talk with you guys. You know, so think about that with your dogs. When there's a moment when they're scared, let's safely and and in a good, healthy way, find the way to push them through it so they can overcome it, so they can build that confidence. Don't run away from problems, work through them, okay? It's a lesson for all of us out there, right? Um, But yeah, you know, guys, building confidence, I I think the biggest thing that people do is they try to shelter their dogs. They try, oh, well, he he is a shelter dog, so I need to to shelter him and coddle him. And it's not going to help. It's not going to help build their confidence. All you're doing is exactly that. You're sheltering them. 
You're sheltering them. You have to expose them to the world in order for them to gain confidence and get over it. Another thing, if we have a puppy, that's the best way to gain confidence in your puppy, guys. Get them out into the world. Let them see everything. Let them experience sounds, noises, construction, right? Loud noises. Take them by construction sites and do your walk by there. Go to the beach. Go to busy shopping areas. Take them to Home Depot, Lowe's, two wonderful training locations, by the way, because those things help. I take underconfident dogs to, the, to, to Home Depot all the time because there's crazy smells, loud noises, it's echoey, there's beeps with the, you know, with the trucks driving around. What a great environment to build confidence with your dog. Okay? So if you have a puppy, the best way to build that confidence, get them out there. Get them seeing and experiencing the world, okay? Really important as much as you possibly can. You can do the same with older dogs too, right? Um, but Make sure you're exposing them and getting them out there. Make sure you're not reinforcing fear. Make sure you're not reinforcing any anxiety in your dog. Okay, that's the last thing we want to do. And make sure we try to get them in a calm state of mind. Once they're calm, reinforce and strengthen that, right? Calm is confident, honestly. Calm, cool, collected, confidence. That's the way I see it. So, uh, anyway, you know, there's a lot of different aspects to building confidence in your dog. But to me, it starts first and foremost, without a doubt, and without this first thing, None of it, none of the rest of it comes. The first thing, you have to be confident in yourself, guys. Meditation, exercise, uh, reading books, self-help. Do what you gotta do, you know? Uh, be, be better than you were yesterday. And even if you're great right now, be even greater. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I, I think that's what life is about. Personally, for me, I don't wanna be the same person I was at 20 that I am at 30 and that I am at, will be at 40. Um, I don't. I want to be better than the 10-year-ago version of me. I want to always strive, even if it's just an inch. Look, sometimes progress is only measured in an inch, and that's okay, because it's still progress. Uh, but to me, that that's what that confidence in yourself, that's where it begins with your dog, okay? Uh, the next thing, of course, we want to make sure we're not reinforcing any anxious state of mind. Uh, again, go back and listen to my episode on state of mind. Very important information in there. Be sure you're doing things that build confidence in your dog and that reinforce and strengthen that, okay? Make sure when you find yourself in a moment that maybe your dog is a little anxious or is a little underconfident, work through it. You know, if you need to get with a trainer to do that, to figure out the particulars of it, by all means. But the whole idea is you need to get them used to the things that make them uncomfortable and be able to reinforce and strengthen once they calm down in that moment. I know a little more good detail on that, um, but... You know, every dog's a little different, but seriously, the best way to work through these things, guys, is to do just that. Work through it to build that confidence. Um, you know, one other small thing I hadn't mentioned, a lot of times I'll take dogs, it seems a little silly, I'll go to like a playground <laughs> and get the dog to like climb up and over the slide or down awkward things or up and over a bench. And the whole point is usually the first time you do it, the dog's like, whoa, this is awkward. I don't know how I feel about it. And they resist a little bit. But when you work them through it, all of a sudden it's like building confidence. Uh, agility course is, is one way, you know, if you can go to a dog park with an agility course in it, just working your dog up and over an A-frame. If they didn't want to do it to start with and you get them to do it in the end, that is such a confidence builder, right? Pushing them through, doing something that maybe is a little scary, but getting the success in the end, you'll be shocked. Your dog's like, whoa, that was awesome. I love it. I want to do it again. Think of it like a little kid at a water park, Right? They don't want to go on the slide. They're screaming, they're crying, and then they go on the slide and they're like, whoa, that was the greatest thing ever. Let's go again. Look at the confidence just built in that kid. Same thing. 
going over like something as simple as a playground equipment can actually build confidence in your dog. Okay. So, you know, just think about these tips, guys. There's a lot that goes into building confidence with your dog. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes dedication. But most importantly, it takes you being confident in yourself. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Afghan Hound. Of course, these guys are a member of the Hound Group. Yes, they're a scent hound, and they come in weighing from 50 to 60 pounds. An affectionate, independent, and regal breed, the Afghan Hound is well known for its beautiful flowing coat and elongated body. They are an eye-catcher, and despite their elegant appearance, can be quite playful in a silly breed too. Underneath all that beauty does come a formidable and agile dog. These hounds were originally meant to take down large game, and with their large pads on their paws, they act as shock absorbers to take the punishment of the unforgiving terrain of Afghanistan. The Afghan hound is not necessarily the breed for everyone. They can be a bit difficult to train, and their high prey drive has to be taken into consideration. Like a lot of hounds, the Afghan hound cannot be trusted off-leash. They do need a good amount of exercise being taken for a brisk daily walk, and these dogs will also succeed at activities such as lure coursing. The Afghan Hound is a relatively healthy breed. Some sighthounds do have sensitivities to anesthesia, so owners should be aware and ensure their vet knows how to properly administer any medications. Afghan Hounds can also be susceptible to hip dysplasia and bloat or GDV. The Afghan Hound is one of the oldest and most ancient known dog breeds dating back thousands of years. As their name suggests, they were first bred in the vast expanses of Afghanistan, Pakistan, and India. Because of the remote areas the Afghan Hound is from, the exact location and timing of when and where they were developed, well, it remains a mystery. But what we do know about the breed is that they were highly regarded as a status symbol among royalty, aristocrats, and tribal chiefs in the area. The breed was highly sought after to hunt large game across vast expanses of land with explosive speed. And although the breed is very old, the Afghan hound did not make its way into the Western world until the 1800s. Now, when British officers were returning from the farthest corners of the British Empire, they brought breeding pairs back with them. By the early 1900s, the Afghan was the preferred dog of the British gentry. The breed made its way to America in the early 1900s, being registered to the AKC by 1926. Now, Zeppo Marx of the Marx Brothers was one of the first Americans to bring a breeding pair back to the U.S. In the late 1970s, the breed's popularity soared thanks in part to an unlikely pairing. Barbie, yes, the doll from Mattel, actually introduced her new pet dog named Beauty, who of course was an Afghan hound. And during the same decade, lure coursing was developed and the breed naturally thrived at it, which also helped increase awareness. In the 1980s, the breed became a favorite in the AKC show ring, and despite its independence, has even thrived at obedience as well. The answer to today's trivia question, what is the name of the Grinch's dog? It's Max. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. First question today comes from Cindy from Ponte Vedra, Florida. Cindy asks, what is your favorite breed of puppy to work with? Now, I've gotten the question of what's my favorite breed, you know, of dog in general. Haven't gotten that one. What's my favorite breed of puppy? And look, I, 
I love golden retrievers. <laughs> I've said that's my favorite breed. But man, as as a lot of people know, goldens can be a little nuts as puppies. Sometimes you get a calm one, you know. Sometimes you find, get get good uh, breeding stock, but sometimes they, you know, look, goldens have a lot of energy. It's funny. I was actually having that conversation with a client recently, where it's, um, you know, I think goldens they do everything hard. You know, they sleep hard, they play hard, uh, they walk hard. They they have a lot of energy. You know, that's kind of what I'm getting at. So golden puppies can be a lot of work. <laughs> so they're not, honestly, look, if, if it's my favorite puppy to work with, if it's just kind of, I love working with Great Dane puppies. I really do. I love Great Dane puppies because they're just so lanky. They're awkward. They're not grown into their bodies yet. I mean, they're just goofy, goofy, fun, loving dogs most of the time, you know? So they're a really fun puppy to work with. I don't enjoy the size of the bladder <laughs> when they're not housebroken, but hey, you know, that's a part of the puppy training, so that's all right. Um, but yeah, I would have to say, as far as puppies go, I think I like Great Danes the best. Next question. This comes from Aaron from Clarksville, Maryland. Aaron says, my dog howls every time I practice and play my oboe. Why does he do this, and can I make him stop? You know, this is a good question. There have actually been studies done on this, you know, to try to figure out why dogs react to to certain music, instruments, those kind of things. And the answer is there there isn't one. Scientists really don't know for certain, and even myself as a behavior you know specialist, I, I can't ask the dog, hey, why are you howling? Do you hate it? Do you love it? Do you, are you trying to sing to it? Are you matching it? But what we can, what what I think, and, and this is what most experts, experts will mostly agree on here, um, is that as we all know, howling is a natural and instinctual behavior for dogs, and, and joining in the howl is a is a pack ritual, if you will. So some kind of theorize that that's really what it triggers. It triggers some instinctual nerve, if you will, in them that that makes them want to howl and join and, and join in the pack howl, right? Um, but I, you know, when my when I was younger, I, you know, I played trumpet. And whenever I played the trumpet, my Shih Tzu, it didn't matter where she was in the house, she would come running across the house to find me and start howling. So for those that go, oh, it hurts their ears, I go, look, if it really hurt their ears, do you think they would seek out the noise, get closer to it, and then start howling with it? I don't think so. That's what leads us to believe it's more instinctual, things like that and and uh, experiments that have kind of shown us that, right? Um, so I can, I can definitely... You know, I I, I, I I sympathize with you <laughs> because, man, she went nuts whenever I played that trumpet. So is there anything you can do to get them to stop? Yeah, you can. You know, you can tell them to stop. You can redirect the behavior. And once they stop barking as you're playing or stop howling as you're playing, then reward it. It's just like anything else. You can treat it really just like any other training situation. Um Oh, there's my dog shaking. There's that was Nemo. He's hanging out with me as usual when I record. He's been my recording buddy a lot. Uh, but anyway, getting back to it, yeah, you can stop it. But you know something, I, I it, it's most likely a natural and instinctual behavior for your dog. So yes, you can redirect and stop it. But that's why most likely they do it. <laughs> That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Hey, if you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, don't forget to do so right now. New episodes coming out every week. Please, everyone, be safe out there. Have a very Merry Christmas. And of course, don't forget, get out there and walk your dog.